Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 50, you guys. Can you believe it? That's so cool. This is episode 50 of the MNC Communications Move the Stairs podcast. And we are recording on Friday, September 24th, 2021. And we are so happy that you've joined in what's going to be a really interesting and fabulous conversation. You know, it really is, Sarah. We are so excited to be joined by Nolan Jackson of the law firm of Frost Brown Todd LLC to talk about the latest on Delta 8. You know, this is one of the topics that can have a significant impact on your business. And it's so important that you keep up on both the legislative and regulatory updates. You know, today we're going to look at everything in the CBD industry from brand protection, from a brand protection PR standpoint. So how can you build trust and credibility in your brand? So that people turn to you as a leader in the industry. And so your brand is always building goodwill in the minds of your customers. Well, good morning, Nolan. He is. Hi, Nolan. Hi, good morning. It's good to be with you and thanks for having me. Yeah, good morning, Nolan. Thank you again for joining us today. We talked about or we have talked about how Delta 8 is very much a controversial topic for CBD producers, owners, and thought leadership groups that so many of us belong to. For instance, at M&T Communications, we belong to the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, and understanding the perspective of both sides of this Delta-8 issue means figuring out where you stand and how that's going to impact brand protection in crisis or opportunity forecasting, which is our first leg of the brand protection PR stool. So, Uh, Nolan, we're so happy that you're here to offer some of your um, legal guidance on this and your perspective. So with that, can you lay out kind of the two sides of the argument from a legal perspective of Delta 8? Sure. First, let me thank you for uh, having me, but also for your involvement with the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. As you might know, my law firm services counsel to that organization in various roles, and, and we are so proud of the work that that organization is doing at the state and federal level. So it's it's important to have support from organizations like yours within the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, and I can't thank you enough for that kind of support and involvement. 
But you're exactly right, Jordan. This is not just a controversial topic in the hemp industry. This is the hottest topic in the industry at the moment. And because there is this ambiguity, uh, both at the federal and state level, this legal conversation has emerged uh, both for and against the legality of, of Delta ATHC products. The argument for legality is really simple. Um, proponents of this argument look to the 2018 Farm Bill, which became law on December 20th, 2018. So it's been law now for a few years. That piece of legislation, now a federal law, removes hemp and THCs in hemp from the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Additionally, that law protects hemp and hemp products in interstate commerce. So the argument goes in favor of, of Delta 8 THC products that hemp is defined in the 2018 Farm Bill to include cannabinoids, derivatives, extracts, isomers, and the like, all parts of the plant. Delta 8 THC is a part of the hemp plant. It is naturally occurring in the hemp plant. So under this argument, Delta 8 THC is hemp as a matter of federal law and is legal under the 2018 Farm Bill. That is a high-level view of the argument for the legality of Delta 8 THC. The argument against, I'm sorry, jump in, Sarah, if, if, if we need to, to go into further detail. Well, no, I was just going to say you're, um, you went through this in, in um, your own podcast the other day, and it's so useful to hear both sides of that legal argument. So I'd love to hear, you were just about to, and I interrupted you, um, talk about the, the, the opposite side of that legal argument. Yeah, so the, the argument against legality is a bit more nuanced, and you're not going to find this argument in the text of the 2018 Farm Bill. That law does not illegalize or prohibit Delta-8 THC specifically. But the proponents of the argument against Delta-8 THC would say the spirit of the 2018 Farm Bill was to protect non-intoxicating hemp products. That's what Congress meant when it um, defined hemp and removed hemp and THCs in hemp from the Federal Controlled Substances Act. That's what Congress intended in protecting hemp and hemp products in interstate commerce. It was to protect non-intoxicating hemp products, not intoxicating hemp products. We know or the data shows that Delta-8 THC, at least most of the products on the market, are intoxicating. So the argument against, against legality or for illegality is that because Delta-8 THC is intoxicating, it is not captured by the spirit of the 2018 Farm Bill. It is not what Congress intended to protect or legalize, and therefore it's illegal as a matter of federal law. That is very, very useful legal background and perspective. I thank you for that. Um, so it, it does feel like here we are in this gray area um, right now from a, not a legal perspective, but a business perspective. What are the opportunities maybe on both sides that you're seeing um, of companies, CBD companies around Delta 8? Sure, and, and, and you're exactly right. There is this ambiguity out there, both at the federal level and, and the state level. Because this issue is relatively new, it's not addressed under every state's laws. Um, a number of states, especially in 2021 and 2020, started to enact laws or develop rules around Delta-8, but not every state has. So there is a bit of confusion out there. 
I should say there are still business opportunities for Delta 8 THC products, um, even in states that are re regulating those products more strictly. And there will continue to be business opportunities, whether those products are absolutely legal or whether they're legal under an adult use cannabis framework where they're regulated more strictly. So there are, there are opportunities in that sense. But it's important for businesses to understand that those opportunities are tightening. They are narrowing. Where it used to be the Wild West 12, 15, 18 months ago, um, some of the legal picture is becoming clearer. Some states are outlawing Delta 8 THC products. Some states, like I said, are regulating them more strictly uh, within the context of an adult use cannabis regime or framework. And some states just haven't gotten uh, to addressing it yet. So businesses should know while there are opportunities and will continue to be at least in some states, uh, those opportunities will not be there forever, at least not nationwide. Uh, so it's important to understand what kind of product a company wants to involve itself with, um, where the business opportunities exist across the country. Uh, and if it's in a state that hasn't addressed the issue yet, those same businesses should appreciate that the opportunity might not be there for very long in that state. And I would see that, Nolan, as a pitfall that businesses might encounter. Um, you know, we're always looking for, with brand protection PR, we're always trying to forecast what's coming down. We're kind of futurists, what's coming down the pike. Being journalists, that's what we always look for, and, and that really informs our PR strategy. What other pitfalls do you think could be out there? What other things should businesses be prepared for or be watching for? Maybe that's a better way to say, be watching for so they can be nimble enough to respond. That's right. The, the biggest pitfall I see right now is, is the misconception that Delta 8 THC is absolutely legal everywhere. That's just not the case. Um, ambiguity does not mean legality. Ambiguity does not mean um, I get to go flirt with the law and, and, and take on risk and then and see you know, what develops. Uh, some companies might be of that mindset, but this is not an issue that's going away. It's controversial and hot in the industry for a reason, and states are starting to take note. So companies need to be on the lookout for states that will start addressing this issue uh, more closely states that will continue addressing it. Maybe they got a start in 2020 or 2021, but they didn't develop a full framework for how Delta 8 THC should be regulated in their state. Um, so I'm looking at states across the country in 2022 um, that I expect will start addressing this issue in a different way. I think there's also a possibility that the federal government acts in some way. And I think we might get to this uh, later in our discussion, but the FDA has issued what it's calling a five things to know about Delta-8 THC. And, and while it doesn't cast Delta-8 THC as illegal uh, as a matter of, of federal law, it does um, put together some cautionary guidance that, that businesses need to be mindful of. So uh, the pitfall I see is, is the misconception that these products are legal everywhere, and, and that's just not true anymore. That's so true. And, you know, this is a, a perfect example. You know, our podcast is called Move the Stairs. Um, and it's all about looking at what life is giving you at the moment, but also looking at what's coming down the pike and making the most out of it. And, um, Nolan, you may enjoy this, that uh, when I was a, a journalist, I was uh, covering my first political campaign 
it was an incumbent who was election night and we knew he was going to win. Um, and we wanted to obviously get him first after he made his announcement, his acceptance speech. Um, but the stairs led to my competition, the stairs that were off the riser, the platform where he was going to make that speech. And luckily, I was able to see where I could actually unscrew the stairs and put them on my side. So I looked at what I had and I moved the stairs. I think with Delta 8, we're going to have to really move the stairs again and see what comes down. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like I said, there are markets uh, across the country where these products are legal. But I don't expect all of those markets to be there in 12 months. Right. Uh, so companies that are considering getting into the Delta 8 THC space need to understand that, that that model might not be viable as a business matter everywhere. Um, while some companies have been early to the market, uh, we know these, these products are popular. There's been a proliferation of, of these products across the country in recent years. Um, that's not going to be the case forever. Um, it's the same thing we saw with CBD, in my opinion, a few years ago. There was a real reluctance, especially at the national brand level, to get involved in the CBD space because there was ambiguity at the time about the legality of CBD everywhere. The, the 2018 Farm Bill helped address that in a positive way. And as soon as that bill became law, more and more companies started getting into the CBD space. They had more confidence about the legality of their products at the federal level, but also across the country at the state level. National brands, too, started getting involved with CBD. I would expect something similar with Delta 8 THC that assumes there's going to be a positive uh, legal framework for Delta 8 THC. I'm not sure that's the case. Um, but if we get more clarity on legality, I think the market will uh, correct itself in, in, in a, a favorable way. We'll have better understanding about where these products are legal, where they're illegal, and then uh, in a third category where they're uh, regulated more closely. Now, this is a it's a really interesting topic and a kind of confusing topic. You're, you've used the word ambiguity quite a few times, Nolan. So if you have questions, um, we encourage you to weigh in on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube. You can tag us. You can send us an email and we can certainly reach out to Nolan uh, with your questions and follow up with you. Um, now, speaking of the ambiguity point, Nolan, uh, we talk about our kind of second leg of this brand protection stool being media outreach. And we know that the public still has a long way to go when it comes to the basic understanding of CBD. So toss in Delta eight um, and you've got all sorts of confusion. So how do you advise your clients when they want to educate uh, members of the media on Delta eight? Because those are that's going to be the fastest way to reach kind of the majority of people whether you know you're looking at a uh, print publication who's simultaneously um, posting online or you know broadcast TV or radio? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, as a rule of thumb, before we can start educating the media on legality, we've got to understand the laws ourselves. So what a company has to do first and foremost, in my opinion, is develop an understanding of where Delta 8 THC is legal, where it's not legal, and where there are different regulations uh, that apply. And in this issue or with this issue, we have to appreciate that, that it's both a federal issue and a state issue. There's ambiguity at the federal level. There is ambiguity at the state level. There's also some clarity at the state level that does not exist under federal law. Some states have been very clear about their positions on 
Delta-8 THC. It is absolutely illegal or prohibited in some states. It is regulated within uh, the confines of an adult-use cannabis market in some states. And then in some states, it's um, either explicitly legal or not explicitly illegal yet. Um, And so we've got to know that we're looking at, at an interplay between federal and state law. Once we have that understanding, we can then start going to the media uh, or other stakeholders, uh, consumers directly even, um, about what we think about Delta-8 THC. Um, We can start educating in that way. But before we get there, uh, we've got to know the laws ourselves. And that's a great point. And I mean, speaking of educating, you know, we're, we're big proponents of, of educating your consumers, whether it's through your website, your blog, your social media, probably a combination of everything. Um, what would you say to a client um, if they want to go out and be in front of education on the Delta 8 issue? Should they take a stand and say, you know, I believe this or I believe, you know, don't believe that? Or should what would you say? Would they be better off sticking to a facts only approach? I'm a fan of facts. I think facts where there is ambiguity um, are really helpful. That's the kind of approach I would recommend, uh, sticking to the facts. I think companies have to be clear about where their Delta-8 THC is coming from. Is this natural extract? In other words, is it naturally occurring Delta-8 THC? Or more likely, uh, is it chemically converted in some way? Are we taking some cannabinoid like CBD, doing something to it, and then creating uh, Delta-8-THC? That is the case, frankly, uh, for most of the Delta-8-THC products on the market. And the concern is that those chemical processes, that chemical conversion results in high uh, intoxicating levels of of Delta-8-THC. That's really where the consumer concern and risk is. So I think companies have to be absolutely clear so that they can instill consumer confidence and so that they're adhering to consumer safety. We've got to be upfront about what we're doing uh, to get Delta 8 THC and what it is our products actually do. If they're intoxicating, we need to say that. Uh, And then those products need to be regulated the way intoxicating products are. If our products are not intoxicating, okay, well, let's talk about why that's the case. And if and if we're misleading consumers or if we're not being fully transparent in some way, well, that's a separate issue. You know, I think for consumers as well as for business owners, this is very confusing because everything that we have been talking to the consumers about regarding CBD is that it's non-intoxicating. And now we have a derivative of CBD that is intoxicating. And it gets, I think it gets extremely confusing. What is it that you think shouldn't be said by anyone who is out there um, starting to talk to their consumers? Because let's be honest, the consumers um, are also pushing this. There, There is a demand out there and they want information. So what shouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think we need to drill down even a little further. Why is there that demand? Is it that consumers believe they're buying a traditional hemp product. You know, oftentimes these Delta-8 THC products are marketed as hemp extracts or hemp derivatives or hemp products in some way. So is there confusion on the part of consumers about what they're buying 
or is there really this demand for an intoxicating hemp product? Um, we need to address that. And, and I think that will help guide businesses in how they manufacture and promote their products. It will also guide regulators in how best to regulate these type products. Clearly, there is uh, an interest in these type products, right? They, they've risen to popularity over the last couple of years. We're seeing more and more of them across the country on, on store shelves. So there is a demand, but, but I think we need to appreciate where the demand is coming from. Uh, and, and then to your question, Diane, there are a few things that companies should not be saying uh, about these type products. I have real concern anytime I see a company say that a Delta 8 THC product is not intoxicating. I just don't think that's consistent with the data that, that I've seen and the data that's out there for the consuming public. I would also be very wary about any kind of medical or therapeutic claim associated with these type products. The FDA was clear in its five things to know document uh, last week or the week before that uh, Delta 8 THC has not been approved uh, as safely used in any form. So anytime we're making a medicinal or a therapeutic claim about a product that has not been approved by FDA for a particular purpose, we're running afoul of federal law and regulation. So we've got to be mindful of that. I would also be concerned if I were a company, if I had a Delta 8 THC product that is a traditional food or a dietary supplement. The FDA's current position and, and the, the position it's been enforcing through warning letters primarily is that it is illegal to add CBD and THC to food and illegal to market CBD and THC as a dietary supplement or in a dietary supplement product. Uh, Delta 8 THC by definition is a THC, right? There's, there's not um, a distinction between the two, at least not yet. So if I have a Delta 8 THC product that qualifies as a traditional food or beverage, or that I'm marketing as a dietary supplement, um, I would think twice about it. Those are great tips. And I think everyone should listen very carefully to you so that they can, you know, protect their business and protect their brand as much as possible. So before we get into our last section here, I want to look ahead to um, our next episode of Move the Stairs, when we're going to be talking to Natalie Bougenet about how social media uh, channels are censoring CBD messaging. And I think that's going to be a fascinating topic. So Tune in to our next podcast because that's what we're going to be talking about. Jordan, take right. us home. Yeah, our, our next uh, kind of segment here is we're talking about that thought leadership element of the brand protection PR stool, uh, Nolan. And we know there are several CBD thought leadership organizations, U.S. Hemp Roundtable being one of them, yeah. with differing opinions on how to move forward with this topic. So could you go through them with us here and our listeners? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. Again, thank you for your involvement with that organization. It's one I'm, I'm proud to be affiliated with, too. There has been, I think, some misunderstanding in uh, in the marketplace or in the industry about the Roundtable's position on, on Delta 8 THC. It is not true that the Roundtable believes Delta 8 THC is illegal in every circumstance or should be outlawed everywhere. That That's not the case. The roundtable's position is that Delta 8 THC, because it is intoxicating, should be regulated in the same way that intoxicating products are. And in most states, that means within the adult use cannabis market or regime or framework uh, or legal standard, whatever qualifier you want to use, 
but Delta-8 THC is intoxicating and should be regulated uh, in that way. Other organizations have, have different opinions. Some organizations uh, broadly think that, that Delta-8 THC is legal as a matter of federal law um, and, and shouldn't face any burdens that, that other legal hemp products face. Um, another thought leader in this space is, is the U.S. Hemp Authority, which, as you might know, is a self-regulatory organization, uh, a, a police presence really uh, for the industry itself. Um, it is not certifying as U.S. Hemp Authority approved any Delta-8 THC products at the time. It has taken uh, that stance um, primarily because of consumer safety issues and marketing to children uh, and and other communities that are at higher risk. So for the time being, the U.S. Hemp Authority is not certifying Delta-8 THC products as U.S. Hemp Authority approved. And, and that's an important certification because it uh, instills consumer confidence. A consumer can go into a store, see the U.S. Hemp Authority label or sticker on a product and know that that product uh, went through a, a significant audit type process. It, it checked all of the boxes. Um, and, and it's doing things the right way. Uh, and, and it's a product that, that a consumer can feel confident about. So uh, a product not having that certification or approval does have implications in the marketplace. Nolan, you've mentioned um, this FDA five things to know letter a couple of times. And I'm wondering, does that... Um, kind of preface some more information or guidance or a decision or um, what do you think when when we might be able to get some more guidance when the next major decision will come down on Delta 8? Well, at least in the last year or so, states have been the leaders in addressing Delta 8 THC. That's where we've seen the clearest guidance. Um, as I said, there are really three buckets some states are outlawing Delta-8-THC as a general matter. Some states um, haven't addressed it yet or, or their laws are unclear. Either Delta-8-THC is not explicitly legal and it's not explicitly illegal. And then that third category is states are allowing Delta-8-THC to the market, but those type products are being regulated uh, in an adult use cannabis regime or, or more strictly regulated than a traditional non-intoxicating hemp product. So. I would expect that trend to continue in 2022. I think we're likely to see more activity at the state level. Uh, you're right, the FDA has issued a five things to know document about Delta 8 THC. In my opinion, that could lay the groundwork for the federal government uh, to get involved in some way. I won't be surprised um, if the FDA regulates Delta 8 THC or does something more definitive in 2022. Maybe that's as part uh, of some of the federal legislation that's pending in Congress that would address CBD in food and dietary supplements. Maybe it's something uh, that more definitively addresses synthetic or chemically converted THCs. So those are things to be on the lookout for. But I do think we're likely to get more answers in 2022. That's great to know because we need those answers. And, and I think... Um, you know, I'm, I'm interested how you think, what's the best way, let me put it that way, for CBD business owners to really get ahead of this topic. And is there any danger that the Delta 8 issue could cause problems moving forward with CBD businesses as a whole? 
Yeah, it's an important educational issue. I think if companies don't want to be associated with Delta 8 THC, they should be clear about that to their consumers. Um, There are consumers that get great benefit and use out of non-intoxicating hemp products, more traditional type products. And and those are what those consumers are looking for. So let's um, appeal to that segment of the market. We don't have to worry about intoxicating products uh, that that some consumers might be interested in. And and to the extent companies are worried about confusion or a lack of education, well, let's be forward thinking about that. Let's go to regulators. Let's go to retailers. Let's go to our partners in the supply chain and educate them about the differences between CBD or other non-intoxicating cannabinoids and intoxicating Delta-8 THC products. It's what we did years ago in the industry to educate law enforcement and regulators on the differences between hemp and marijuana. It's what we did to educate those same constituencies on the differences between hemp-derived CBD and marijuana-derived CBD or other uh, types of CBD or intoxicating substances. So we've been doing that successfully for years. There's no reason that our hemp companies or our hemp-affiliated entities attorneys, advocacy groups, whatever, uh, can't continue to do that uh, to help drive some of this education that that clearly uh, is not out there yet. This has been just a great interview. Thank you so much. Nolan Jackson of Frost Brown Todd. You know, Nolan, how could people get a hold of you if they have more questions or, you know, really would like to to um, dive deeper into this whole topic? Yeah, I'd be happy to speak with whomever. Uh, I, I like talking about this. It's it's good work that my firm has been doing for a number of years. It's good work that the U.S. Hemp Roundtable is doing. So uh, for more information, you can visit the U.S. Hemp Roundtable at hempsupporter.com, www.hempsupporter.com. I am on my firm's webpage. Frost Brown Todd is the name of the law firm. Nolan M. Jackson, M is my middle initial, is in Miller. If you Google me, I should pop up. <laughs> My email address is in Jackson as in Nolan Jackson at fbtlaw.com. So shoot me an email. Uh, my desk line is on the website. Give me a call. I'd be happy to talk to you uh, and learn more about what you're doing and what questions you have about Delta 8 or, or the hemp industry generally. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you will come back and join us again because this has been just fascinating. Well, thanks very much for having me. Um, I'd gladly accept the invitation anytime. So if we can talk about something else or or dive deeper into this topic, let me know and I'll come back. Thank you so much. Um, Gosh, what a fascinating conversation. Um, That was just such a perfect conversation for the 50th episode of, right? Move the Stairs. And how brand protection works in real life. And now, by now, you should have a good understanding of how we go about opportunity forecasting um, using Delta 8 as uh, our topic today. But that's something that we do all the time uh, on the Move the Stairs podcast. We look forward to having you join us again. And um, we hope that. There's 50 more and 50 more episodes after that. So we hope they have a fabulous day.